1: Welcome to the FT's U.S. Election Countdown Podcast. I'm Dimitri Servistopilo.
2: And I'm Courtney Weaver. We're coming to you this week from the FT's Bureau in Washington, D.C. So, diving right in. If this week were a 2000 Richard Gere movie, it would have to be called Donald T. and the Women. Uh, Let's go straight to Trump's interview with Megyn Kelly on Tuesday night. There was a great line in The Washington Post this morning comparing the interview's fluff to, quote, a nutrition-free marshmallow. Do you think that was an accurate description? I
1: think that's probably unfair to marshmallows. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, think back in August last year, the first Republican debate, uh, 17 or 16, 17 contenders on the stage. And Megyn Kelly stole the show. I mean, she had this amazing question where she put Trump on the spot and he, she said, you're a man who's described women as fat pigs, as dogs. Do you have the temperament to be president? And you know, Trump was stunned. And it set off this months-long feud where you know, at one point he refused to take part in another debate because she was going to be one of the, the moderators. Uh, and we've gone from there to last night where you've got to say it was one of the softest interviews you've seen during the whole campaign trail. And Megyn Kelly, who developed this reputation for being this really tough questioner of Donald Trump, you know, came out looking like uh, Barbara Walters, who does kind of hagiographies of uh, celebrities. I mean, so talk about a turnaround.
2: Right. right. I think that's actually unfair to Barbara Walters. (laughs) I mean, I think that the reason this year has been so interesting, it really seemed like a transformation for Megyn Kelly. Here she was, you know you know, with Fox News for so many years, which is seen as this conservative outlet. Uh, and this her feud with Donald Trump was seen as this launching pad for her to have her, a new career and maybe to switch to a, a bigger network station. Uh, and then last night just ended up seeming like a promotion for her book or something, which was quite surprising. I think even no, more exactly. so because this whole feud with Trump has become such a big part of the narrative of Trump being unfair to women and Trump being sexist. Uh, you remember after this... The debate last summer, um, Trump came out and said about Megyn Kelly that she had blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her whatever. And this has become such a big part of the narrative that Trump is not a friend to women.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And, and as you said, it's gone on and on and on. And I mean, it's, the other interesting thing is that, you know, Fox News uh, generally is considered to be a very conservative station. In previous elections, it's seen as being more favorable to the Republican candidate. In this election, that hasn't been the case so far, at least not in terms of Donald Trump. And, you know, Rupert Murdoch, you know, months ago was tweeting pretty strong things that were not favorable to Trump. And there are stories out there at the moment which said that, you know, Murdoch was one of the people who told Kelly to go tough on Trump back in August last year. And that maybe now Fox is looking at these amazing ratings that Trump is generating and the station has decided to be a little bit friendlier to the, uh, to the tycoon and, and everyone will benefit uh, on their side of the fence. What did you think of the New York Times article, which I think has been their best read article of the year, which is looking at his relationship? relationship and his history with women.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So just to sum up for people who haven't seen the article, it includes 50 plus interviews with women who've had either personal dealings or business dealings with Trump. Uh, And I think it was enlightening in a lot of ways. There's been some criticism of the article, not just from Trump, who at one point this week suggested uh, through his lawyers that he might try to sue the New York Times, but now appears to be walking back from that suggestion. But from people who, you know, thought, you know, here is this candidate who has this reputation for being one of the most overtly uh, sexist candidates in modern political history in the U.S. And it was a lot more everyday sexism and misogyny and no kind of silver bullet. But I thought it was I thought it was very telling about his relationship with women at work. You know, there were a lot of there was a lot of quotes from a woman who he promoted to be basically the head of his construction business in the 70s. Uh, you know, something that was unheard of at the time, and then just his day to day interaction with women and, and kind of offhand comments uh, that come off pretty sexist, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, he's got this kind of almost bifurcated personality where, you know, some women in his life seem to be promoted and kind of give him positions of responsibility. And then on other occasions, he treats women and the New York Times used the word degrading. I mean, the 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 kind of main character in the New York Times piece was this former model who met him at a pool party in in Florida. And he took her on a tour of the... uh his estate. And then he asked her if she wanted to change into a bikini. And then when she did, and when they went outside to the pool, he kind of showed her off as a Trump girl. Uh, Now, she herself said she didn't find that demeaning. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people think that that's probably not the kind of uh, personality or or character trait that you want in your president. Um, Although, frankly, a lot of the Trump supporters will say, well, Bill Clinton didn't exactly hold the office in high esteem in that respect, too. So there's an element of double standards going on here. But then we have the, the Clinton super PAC, which is one of these outside group's Supporting Hillary Clinton that has started running attacks on Trump. And uh, it's pretty clear that they're jumping on the bandwagon now, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's already clear, you know, the general election is still months away, but I think it's already clear that this theme of women and Donald Trump's role with women and Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton's relationship with women is going to be one of the overarching themes of the campaign. Uh, so in this new ad, which uh, Priorities USA, which is the main Clinton super PAC, has just released, shows you know various different women in different T-shirts uh, with Donald Trump's face on it, uh, and basically what they're doing is they're they're standing there and they're mouthing the words of all these offensive statements Trump has said about women in the past. Does she have a good body? No. Does she have a fat ass? Absolutely. You like girls that are five
0: foot one? They come up to you know where? If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her.
2: So it's a bit of a preview of what we're going to see in the general election, I think.
1: One of the curious things for me this week was, you know, Trump went on a pretty uh, strong response to the New York Times story. he tweeted a lot of angry things and he took the reporters to task. And, you know, he drew a lot more attention to the piece than otherwise it would have got. So he clearly somehow it's gotten under his skin. But then on the other hand, when the super PAC put out this ad, one of the lines in there was, one of the women saying in Trump's voice, you know, you can tell them to go blank themselves. Then Trump put out a tweet that said, The pathetic new hit out against me represents the final line. You <laughs> can tell them to go blank themselves was about China, not women. And you kind of think to yourself, okay, well that's that's slightly missing the point. But I it's pretty clear we're going to be in for a roller coaster ride in terms of a Trump v. Clinton for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I guess, so one of the other big Trump stories this week was the announcement that Trump and uh, the Republican National Committee had come to an agreement about two joint fundraising committees, the Trump Make America Great Again Committee, uh, and the Trump Victory Committee. Is this a reverse on Trump saying that he was going to self-fund in, in the election?
1: I think yes and no. I mean, the, the the thing is, Trump has said all along he was self-funding. And that, as you and I both know from talking to voters at rallies, that's a big selling point uh, with the electorate or his supporters. But the truth is that he was already raising money from people, but from individuals either on his website or from selling his Make America Great Again merchandise, the hats and the T-shirts and etc., but this is a big change in direction because he's now teaming up with the republican party who he has hit heavily during the campaign they've criticized him heavily but i think both groups have realized that if they're going to have any chance of taking the white house in november that they need each other it's a kind of it's a symbiotic relationship now and they need money hillary clinton is going to raise a fortune And, you know, Trump is not going to liquidate all of his assets to take on Hillary Clinton. He's going to need money and selling Mm -hmm. hats is not going to do it.
2: Do you think that this is a sign that people like Paul Ryan are also going to come behind Trump?
1: Hard to know with Paul Ryan because he took such a stand early on saying that it was, you know, against Trump that... Um, It may take a while for him to come around. But I think a lot of the party at this point will come around Trump because as much as they don't like Trump, they dislike Hillary Clinton even more. And so that's the kind of the the choice they have to make. Which of the lesser of two evils do you want to support in in November? But certainly, I think we we took a step in that direction with this fundraising agreement.
2: And it'll be interesting to see how Trump's supporters react to this. Just talking to voters, it seems like you know, one of the chief things they say about why they like Donald Trump is the fact that he's not taking money from big corporate groups. But at the same time, when you ask them, you know, a follow up question, you say, well, what if Trump does start taking uh, super PAC money in the general election and stop self funding? Most of them seem to think that's perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, and I have the same impression. and, And also, I mean, if if anything he's a master of selling things and one person said to me last week you know he can he can sell anything he can sell anything that doesn't exist and so even when he's slightly finessing things and explaining things that don't quite make sense if you look at the details uh, you know I think a lot of people will gloss over that and that's one of the reasons why he's been a kind of a Teflon candidate yeah you absolutely think? so one th- one thing before we wrap up I wanted to ask you about so you know Bernie Sanders uh, won Oregon on Tuesday uh, Hillary Clinton looks like she eked out a very thin victory in Kentucky is Bernie Sanders under a lot of pressure to quit now. Have we seen anything change over the past week?
2: Well, I think just one thing to point out is that uh, Oregon was a closed primary. So basically every other closed primary that we've seen, Hillary has won because it favors registered Democratic voters. Uh, And we know that a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters are either independents or they're new voters because a lot of them are younger. So I think it's important to emphasize what a big victory in Oregon it is, and also how close the Kentucky race was. I mean, he lost by half a percentage point there. Um, at the same time, yes, we're definitely seeing a lot of pressure from the DNC establishment and from other Democratic leaders for Bernie Sanders to get out of the race. Uh, they argue that Hillary fighting this primary against Bernie Sanders is is detracting from her attention on the race with Donald Trump in November and that here Donald Trump is, you know, has this time to focus on how he's going to attack Hillary and and what his main strategy is going to be. And Hillary doesn't have that option right now. I mean, but the the other thing is that, you know, Bernie Sanders is his own person. He's going to exit the race when he wants to. He's not gunning for a cabinet post in the Clinton administration administration. Uh, he's more a loyalist. He's an independent, not a lifetime member of the Democratic Party. So I think he will probably stay it until the very end, like we've been predicting. But you're definitely going to see a lot more criticism of him as it gets closer to june
1: yeah i agree he's, he's been making the same argument for 20 years so i don't see why he's going to stop now but one kind of image to leave people with uh, we talked about kentucky being really close well one of the best lines came from paul bagala who is a senior figure in the uh in the pack supporting hillary clinton he said that the results in kentucky was like a speedo on chris christie um
2: <laughs> <laughs> an image that will haunt your dreams
1: I, it might do. Uh, so, listen, that is it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find us on Twitter, and I'm at Dimi Sevastopulo That is D-I-M-I-S-E-V-A-S-T-O-P-U-L-O. And Courtney is at Courtney underscore F-T. That's C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore F-T.
2: And you can also sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, White House Countdown at F-T.com forward slash N-B-E. That stands for News by Email. Again, ft.com forward slash NBE.
1: And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. This podcast was produced and edited by Amy Keene.
0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?